0: Romans 15, verses 1 to 13. I want you guys to look, though, first at verse 7. Because I feel like this is the key to the whole section here tonight. If you get this and see how everything else fits into it, you'll be in good shape. Verse 7. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. All of tonight's message and text can be summed up in this verse. Let us receive one another just as Christ has already received each one of us. Okay? If you haven't been with us, let me get you up to speed. Paul has been refereeing a fight in the church at Rome. A food fight. There's the carnivores versus the herbivores. Right? Um, There's those who feel perfectly fine eating meat sacrificed to idols versus... Those who can't stomach that idea. And it wasn't really a joke, so it's okay. You didn't have to, didn't have to groan. Um, there's the, and we won't reteach all of this because it's actually been the last two uh, Sundays. There's the, the loosey goosies versus the legal eagles. That is, uh, those with very strict convictions about things that the, the Scriptures is not exactly perfectly clear on. And there's folks who are not strict in uh, particular con- convictions. Today, if, if Paul were writing this today, uh, he would probably be refereeing, not between necessarily carnivores and, and vegetarians, but here's some examples. Paul would be referring between the folks who think that an occasional glass of wine is fine and those who think that it's an occasional glass of damnation. He would be referring between those who say, I watch television, and those who say, Oh, you mean the hell of vision? He would be referring possibly between those who want to use trick or treat to be winsome. And those who might say, well, the devil wants to use it to win some. He would possibly be refereeing between those who say, mind if I smoke? Versus the ones that say, might as well, there's a lot of smoking going on where you're going. (laughs) Okay? Two Sundays ago, Paul basically said, look, when it comes to, and let me underline it a million times, when it comes to debatable things. That is, things that are not explicitly stated. We're not talking about adultery, fornication, any of the, the sins that are very clearly uh, re- uh, restricted or, or uh, preached against in the Gospels. And he's Also, we're not talking about the essentials of the Christian faith. That is, the, the, the deity of Christ, their virgin birth, the atoning death, the physical re- resurrection, all of these things. He's, no, he's talking about debatable things. You can find that in verse 1 of the, the previous chapter. He says on debatable things, then you, Lucy Goosey, let that legal eagle and you legal eagle, let that Lucy Goosey live before God with their own convictions, not yours. Okay, that's what we saw two Sundays ago. Last Sunday, Paul takes the the Lucy Goosey aside, the guy who isn't as strict in his convictions. And here's what he says. He he takes the one actually with more freedom and believe it or not, he calls him the stronger one because he's more mature in his liberty. He takes that person aside and says, look, I want you to walk in love with your weaker brother. I want you to curb your freedom when necessary. Paul said last chapter, look, you're free to eat that meat, but out of love which is the greatest commandment, forego that right that you have in the sight of and for the sake of your weaker brother. If you're looking for a summary for that whole message, you can find it right here in chapter 15, verse 1. Okay, Paul says, we then who are strong, notice that he includes himself in the uh, loosey-goosey category. Interesting. He's the Pharisee among Pharisees. He was brought up to uh, continually have a very, very strict code. And he says, verse one, we then who are strong ought to bear with, that is to carry, to bear up the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. That's the summary from the last message. Look, if you're strong, you ought to be uh, yielding your rights for the sake of your weaker brother. Uh, where it says scruples, you see that? Literally, it means weakness. I don't know if you knew that. So literally, this says, we ought to bear with the weakness of the weak. So Paul is speaking to those who have no scruples. But it's not a bad thing. He, he says, look, in this blended family, again, let me remind you of some of the things we've talked about. We're talking, we, right here in our church, we have a blended family. Former cult members, recovering Catholics, completed Jews, recovering alcoholics, recovering pagans, recovering smokers, people recovering from cable TV. Paul says, look, you who have no scruples, that is you who have no weakness in one particular area, use your strength not to please yourself, but to strengthen your brother. When he says please, the word is accommodate. It means to yield. Matter of fact, just to show you where Paul's going here, where I'm going to read verses one through three. Every time I read the word please, you guys translate it for me and say accommodate. Okay. Verse one, Paul says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please accommodate ourselves. Let each of us please Accommodate his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please accommodate accommodate himself. Paul says, look, the Christian life is to be accommodating. Not insisting on my rights, but looking for ways to accommodate my weaker brother. But notice it says, verse 2. Let each of us accommodate or please his neighbor, it says, for his good, leading to edification. This is very important. It says, notice he says, don't forget, this is for your brother's good, for his edification. I think it's a point that we need to make sure and and make. Paul is not telling us to appease our brother, but to accommodate our brother. You know the difference, right? There will be times when the Spirit tells you, you need to forego that liberty so that you don't stumble your brother, to accommodate your brother. But Paul is not instructing us here to appease that brother. In other words, just to get him off our back. Right? See, some people will use the the verses that we've looked at here to possibly try to control you. Well, it says here that I'm the weaker brother, so you should not do this so you don't stumble me. Right? Right? Paul says, look, love will tell you that the rule of love will instruct you as to what your your actions should be on this particular thing. In other words, if I forego this liberty, would be your question to yourself. Is this for my weaker brother's good so as not to stumble him? Will it build him up or would it just be to appease him? If I forego this liberty, am I accommodating him or merely appeasing him? Let me give you an example of... Uh, of the former accommodating when the carnivore forgoes the sandwich in front of the vegetarian that's an example of accommodating right he's not he's wanting not to stumble his brother let me give you an example of the latter when the vegetarian says to the carnivore hey i heard you're still eating meat but just not in front of me still stumbles me that you're eating right trying to control See, that is just a vegan with too much time on his hands. (laughs) You get it? Okay, so Paul says, look, let each of us accommodate his neighbor for his good, but let it lead to edification, not just to shut them up. Okay, for even Christ did not accommodate or please himself. He says, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Paul says, look, as always, Christ. Jesus is our supreme example when it comes to accommodating the weaker brother. Think about it. This is exactly true. Is he not the the stronger brother who came to accommodate our weakness? The Bible says, while we still had absolutely no strength to save ourselves, while we were still devoted to sin, he came and he surrendered his strength to the point of death on the cross for our good to build us up. Aren't you glad? See, the whole tenor of this text is, just like Christ received you, receive one another. Just like He accommodated me, I am to accommodate my weaker brother. See, it all falls again under the heading of verse 7. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now look at verse 4. He says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning." There in verse 4, he's pointing back to verse 3. He says, as it is written. You see it? He's basically saying, uh, he's just touching on this idea. But if you haven't learned this already, I wanted to make sure and spend enough time on it that you you got this. If you have not yet grasped this little concept that he has in verse 4, this is an absolute life changer. Verse 4 again, it says, for whatever things were written before were written for our Learning. You know, this is a, a principle that you're going to find throughout the New Testament. Romans 4.23. Paul spoke back when we were going through uh, that chapter. He's talking about Abraham. And listen to what he says. Romans 4.23. Now, it was not written for Abraham's sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also who? For us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9.9. For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does He say it all altogether for our sake? He says, "For our sakes, no doubt. First Corinthians 10:11. Now all these things happened to them, the Jews, back in that chapter, and they were written for our admonition. 2 Timothy 3, three sixteen. Paul's speaking to his protege, Timothy. He says, look, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul was convinced. And he was in the habit of approaching the Bible that you have in your hands with this attitude. This is written for me. This is written for me, for us, today. If you haven't grasped that yet, that, I, I would encourage you to, to come to the Abide thing on, on the 13th. If you haven't grasped that yet, th- that is exactly what we're talking about, being transformed by the power of the Word of God. The Bible says of itself that it is living and active. That means it's alive and it's relevant to you and to me today. It's not a history book filled with just facts and figures and dead people. It's truly a love letter from a living God. If you have not gotten that already, this is huge and that's why I'm spending time here tonight to to mention it. We're asking for revival. If we're serious, each one of us needs to have a quiet time where we come to the scriptures with Paul's precise attitude. Lord, there's something in here for me today. We need to come to church with the same attitude. Lord, what do you have for me tonight? You can speak through a donkey. You've proved it. What are you you going to say through that guy, through the text? Okay, it's a huge game changer in your, your desire for holiness in your walk. Okay, look at verse 4 again. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. Now, this is why we chose the two songs that we just uh, sang. This is why I love those two songs in particular. Word of God, speak. And the other song that we sang, until I can't speak. Both of them are about approaching the word. Both of them are a prayer that I can sing when I open up his word. That basically say this, Lord, what do you have for me today? Think about the, the words of that song, that first song we sang, Until I can Speak. Lord, I can be so dense is kind of the idea. Would you quiet my mind? Would you focus my mind? Would you make me yielded and still before you? Lord, would you wash my eyes that I might see your majesty in the word? Lord, would you help me to be still and know that you're in this place while I'm reading? As I open up this book, Lord, would you be here and make your presence known? Would you speak to me today? See, it's so easy for us to think of the Bible as that it was written for someone else, particularly our wives or or our husbands, Or our kids. Paul approached the Bible and said. No this is written for me today. Okay. Look at verse 4. For whatever things were written before. Were written for our learning. That look at this. We through the patience and comfort of the scriptures. Might have hope. What I get out of this is basically. The Bible is the communique. Through which the Lord shows me. Patience. His patience with me. And he shows me comfort. Paul, did you notice here in this, the end of this verse, Paul sort of personifies the scriptures. That we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures. He's kind of making the, the scriptures, the Bible in your hand, kind of like a person. Now that's no stretch because what does the gospel of John say about Jesus? In the beginning was the word. He's a person. Aren't you glad that the word is patient with you, that the word brings comfort. Can you imagine, for instance, if every time you were a hearer of the word but not a doer, you got an electric shock? Most of us could power a small village by ourselves. But this says that when I open up his word, and I'm, I'm speaking from experience. He shows me his patience with me. He shows me how patient he's willing to be with me. And through his word, he brings comfort. Y'all, I have found him to be the God of all comfort. I found him to be a very present help in time of trouble. I found him to be the lifter of my head. I found him to be that whom which, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because my God is with me. How do I know all that stuff? The scriptures. He speaks patience with me and comfort to me through these scriptures. And I want to show you something. uh, Something I discovered as I was, meditating on the, the word here this week, if you'll humor me a second, I think you'll find a mathematical formula in verse 4. Here's what the way I read it. God's patience with me plus His comfort for me equals hope for me. God's patience with me and His comfort for me equal hope in me. Look at verse 4. For whatever things were written uh, before our... Excuse me. For whatever things were written before, were written for our learning. That we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Here's the way I read that. When I see God's patience with me, he sees every time I mess up, he He knows exactly uh, what a wretch that I am. When I see his patience with me, then when he comforts me through his scriptures, when I add those things together, I feel like I can get through anything. Because I have hope. Don't you have hope to realize that the God of all the universe has said, I'm going to be patient with you, and He speaks comfort to you? Let me let me turn it around or to maybe get in your, as Isaac says of Noah sometimes, get in your grill. Mom, Noah got in my grill. Um, <laughs> l- let, me, l- let me give you something specific. Let me be specific with you. Here it is. Do you need hope tonight? Maybe there's somebody here tonight that that's specifically exactly what you need. You're right on the edge of just giving up. If you need hope, here's what I read out of this. If you will dwell on God's patience with you, that he's already shown. Up to this very moment, he's been so patient with you. If then you will receive comfort from him through his scriptures. Here's what I see. Patience. Plus comfort equals hope. Now, how in the world does that intersect with Paul's message with us tonight? Look at verse 5. You'll find it. Now, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded. That is to think the same way toward one another according to Christ Jesus. Do you see it? Here's what Paul's saying. Look, God is so patient with you in your weakness. He comforts you in your failures. So Paul is saying, all I'm asking is that you treat each other the same way. That you, you're like-minded. You think the same way toward each other that Christ thinks toward you. He's patient with you. Again, what's the context that we're in? Paul's talking about legal legals and loosey-gooseys, Right? Paul is saying to the loosey-gooseys, look, be patient with the legal eagle in their weakness. Look, comfort those who fail, uh, either truly fail or fail to meet your convictions. He says, look, if you will be like-minded the same way that Jesus thinks toward you, if you will think that way toward them, you know what you'll find? You'll be showing them patience, you'll be giving them comfort, and guess what? You'll be giving them hope. If we would just take this part serious, everybody in the church would have hope. If we are patient with one another and giving comfort to one another. Again, it falls perfectly under the heading of verse 7. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. If we do this, if we show the same kind of patience that he has shown to us, we comfort each other even when we fail the, the way that Christ does consistently for us. Each believer will have hope, and guess what will happen to our bratty bunch? Remember? Sorry if you haven't been here. Talking about the blended family of God, right? We all come from different backgrounds, some from uh, very strict upbringing, some we never... uh... If I told you the stuff that I watched on TV when I was a kid, you'd be like, Wow, your parents didn't love you at all, did they? Um, No. (laughs) No, my, my parents really loved me, but I was, I was a latchkey kid, and I teased Lisa about it because she's like, don't see that. But no, I had a little a lot of latchkey room because my mom was trying to make a living. So I, I watched a lot of stuff on TV that you might not uh, approve of. I wouldn't approve of now, actually. Where was I going with that? Okay. Um, enough of my therapy. All right. Um, what, guess what will happen if we will show patience and comfort To one another, even though we have these wildly different backgrounds. The dysfunctional family, the bratty bunch, becomes the brady bunch. The dysfunctional family becomes a functional family. The fractured family will become unified. You don't believe me? Look at verse 6. That you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we want to be one big, happy, functional family praising the Father, the way to do it is to be like-minded toward one another as Jesus has been to us. It comes back again to this principle that I, I love. It just keeps popping up. Unity in diversity only comes from humility. If we have all these different backgrounds, the only way we're ever going to function together is if we're humble. We think more of the other person than of ourselves. Okay, Verse 7 is, again, the summary verse. Therefore, receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. The word receive is proslambano. Listen to this. It means to take to oneself, to take as one's companion, to take by the hand in order to lead, to receive into one's home with the collateral idea of kindness, to grant someone access to your heart. He says, receive one another just as Christ has received you. The title of the message tonight is Wide Receivers. Are we wide receivers? It boils down to exactly this. Are we receiving each other as Christ has received us? And Christ is a wide receiver. He received you, didn't he? Look around. He's a wide receiver. I, when I was growing up, uh, I think it was the last time that the Kansas City Chiefs ever had a winning season. It was back when I was a kid. Um, there was this... I had his jersey. Otis Taylor. He was like amazing wide receiver. And he was an all-star wide receiver. And then, of course, since then, most of you are probably familiar with Jerry Rice. These are all stars. These are guys who can pull down anything. Passes that were unreachable, they could reach. Jesus reaches the unreachable. Think for just a second of the person that you think is the most unreachable. Got him? You're all looking at me. You think it's me? Okay. That person. Jesus can reach them. He is an all-star wide receiver. He can reach them. See, the Jews thought that the Messiah was going to come and just rescue them. To scoop them up out of the dirt. But we're going to see, Jesus came and he even scooped nasty Gentiles like us. Look at verse, verse 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision. That's a euphemism for the Jewish nation. Okay? Jesus came to serve the Jews for the truth of God. It says to confirm the promises made to the fathers. In other words, Jesus came to fulfill God's promises to the Jews. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the fathers. Um, why did God choose to, to save Paul and other Jews um, during this time? Was it because they're so, such great people? No, they're sinners just like the rest of us. But Paul says particularly the reason that God chose to, to save many Jews was to make good on his promise to the fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Even though Israel had failed, you read through the Old Testament, they failed God over and over again, but he is faithful. Jesus was the ultimate uh, in God's faithfulness to an unfaithful nation. Okay, Jesus became a servant, verse 8, to the circumcision, the Jews, for the truth of God. To confirm the promises made to the fathers. God sent Jesus to make good on his promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the fathers. But by receiving any willing descendant, by the way, again, which one of, one of them was Paul. So that when we get up to heaven, and I hope you're there. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus... We won't see you unless you make that decision. But when when I get up to heaven, I'm going to be intermingled, talk about a Brady Bunch, with a a bunch of Jews. And what what the Jews are going to be saying, in part, about our gracious Messiah is this. He is trustworthy. God is faithful. He was so faithful even when we were not faithful. But according to our text here tonight, the Gentiles are going to be singing a slightly different song. Not so much a focus on his faithfulness, but a focus on his mercy. (laughs) Verse 9, and that the Gentiles might glorify glorify God for his mercy. We Gentiles who never knew God before, remember Paul's writing to this mixed multitude in Rome. And the Jews, they're having to figure out, okay, how do I negotiate this whole life now. You're telling me I have freedom, but that's not the way I grew up. But the Gentiles are going, I can't believe this, that God would be interested in a sinner like me? A pagan? All our lives we've been told, especially by the Jews, that God wouldn't have anything to do with us. So while the Jew is in heaven saying he is faithful to an unfaithful nation like us, we will be saying he is merciful to people who don't deserve mercy. Like us, do you see? God, Jesus is a wide receiver, both to Jews and Gentiles. Um, in verse nine, you're going to see four different Old Testament quotes that Paul brings up here, and the the point that he's making here. He's wanting to make sure that we don't think that uh, he pulled a rabbit out of his hat as far as the Gentiles being included in this. He's going to point out four different places where God said beforehand, look, I'm going to include the Jews. OK, a matter of fact, you guys read the word Gentiles. Uh, these are four different Old Testament quotes. Middle of verse nine. It says, as it is written, you guys read the word Gentile. For this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles. and sing to your name. And again, he says different place in the Old Testament. Rejoice, O with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you. Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, he sh- who, and he who shall rise to reign over the. Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. Back in the Old Testament, whenever, I'm sure, when people would read these scriptures, they'd go, God, are you sure? <laughs> Gentiles? Really? This was shocking that the Gentiles could be part of any plan of salvation that God would do. Okay? To me, once again, this points out, look, Jesus is an all-star wide receiver. He received the likes of Gentile dogs. That's what we were called to the good you. You and me, were considered dogs. Now look back one more time at verse seven as we're coming, getting ready to close here. Verse seven: Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also receives us, to the glory of God. You can close your. Actually, no, we got verse thirteen here. But let me ask you: It says we should receive each other as Christ also received us. How did Christ receive you? According to my Bible, he received you while you were still devoted to sin. When there was nothing in you that was good or winsome or attractive. He received me while I was still devoted to sin. I was a hopeless cause. I had nothing to offer. What I hear the the heart of Paul and the heart of God saying tonight is, Look, we're supposed to receive each other. In that way. When we do, when we accommodate our weaker brother, we glorify God because we carry on this awesome tradition of Christ as an all star wide receiver. He wants us to be wide receivers as well. And guess where our practice field is? Here, in church. If you get into to fights and uh, dilemmas and other things because of your separate convictions, Paul would say to you, look, we're supposed to be wide receivers. We're supposed to accommodate uh, love on our brother because we have been received in such a way. Okay? As we close, Paul knows that this, this concept only comes by supernatural transformation. This is not something that you're going to say, okay, all right, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it in my own strength. I'm going to uh, receive people who have very different mindsets than I do. Verse 13. None of of these things happen that way. It's always supernatural transformation, but your part is to be willing. Look at verse 13. Now may the God of hope. Interesting. What do we learn about hope? Patience plus comfort equals hope. Now may the God who's given you hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you... That would be the congregation that I'm speaking to, Paul says, that you guys may abound in what? Hope. Patience plus comfort equals hope. That you might show each other patience and comfort. And what will happen? Hope will be abounding. That you may abound in hope by the what? Power of the Holy Spirit. Not by your own power. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Translation, Paul is closing by saying, look, I'm praying for you. And praying for you that God would give you patience with each other. That you would be those who comfort each other in your failures. By the power of the Holy Spirit that, that he would come and he would make you more and more like Jesus when it comes to being wide receivers. If you do, Paul says, you will have a congregation that abounds in hope. Noticeably so. And guess what happens? If we have a congregation that is abounding in hope in today's hopeless society... Guess what's going to happen? People are going to be interested. When we abound in hope, unbelievers who live in a world bereft of hope will be drawn. And that's why the Bible says all we need to do at that point is be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. But the first thing we've got to do is be wide receivers to each other. Lord, make us wide receivers.